Welcome to The Story Tinker, a place for in-depth analysis of stories, including Midnight Poppyland, Purple Hyacinth, and more. Co-hosted by sharp, witty, and dare I say, thirsty fans, we dive deep into every episode, analyzing character, relationship development, and so many theories. You can follow The Story Tinker right here on YouTube, as well as all podcast platforms. You can also follow The Story Tinker on Instagram and Facebook. For bonus content, sneak peeks, and more, you can support The Story Tinker on Patreon. If you like what you see, please like and subscribe. Thank you for listening to The Story Tinker, and let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 42 of the Purple Highest in the Podcast on The Story Tinker. And we are here with Emily and Saucy. <laughs> by a character that is not within the story but is appropriate and ever present in some people's minds <laughs> yes wrong fandom but still great um cool why not yeah all right so we begin this episode with Lauren's reaction to learning what we were introduced to last time which is what we're going to read about he murdered all of loon's convicts anslow mctrevor and colton and um willard kim i forgot is sticking the newspaper in lauren's face lauren looks absolutely aghast they were the only prisoners killed and like a billion guards but whatever <laughs> and lauren is just completely in shock grabs the newspaper looks at it you know we have the the headline dozens of prison guards and all of loon's convicts slaughtered purple hyacinth has struck again <gasps> shizzle <laughs> and she's shaking and, and the music that accompanies this is fantastic because in the previous episode it ends with like a very escalated like that do 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 like you're like really getting into it and you're realizing what's happening and everyone's freaking out and the anxiety is up and then you cut if you're if you're able to read this one after the other um you get to this like very dramatic like it's no longer amped up. It's now just like pan- the crowd is happening. Like you're almost back in reality and you're just like, she's freaking out. Well, there's just background noise of people everywhere. Um, and it really breaks everything up like very effectively. Like you're just panicking with her in a crowd. Ooh. Oh my goodness. Yeah, they ask her, Lauren, are you okay? But she doesn't even respond. She just, you know, pushes the newspaper back into her face and she flashes back to a panel which we uh well this one is from like here 28 no sorry yeah well it's from somewhere um and he says i kill only i think it is because it's prime partner and they asked about this yes 28 i kill only when i'm ordered to or when it's the only solution so she knows that pretty much he had to do this it was an order right from the phantom side it makes sense that they would want to kill all those people you know before any information or any war information is gotten out of them and then she flashes back to when he killed for her, right, um, to make prevent her from being killed um, after the Blakesley, you know, had her ninjas follow them. And again, we'll flash back to the present. She is just, she's starting to get angry. And she flashes back to like the recent encounter. This was this morning, you know, she was in his house this morning and he didn't say anything. <laughs> and then he goes back to, she flashes back to a little bit of an earlier episode, episode 30, which we found out thanks to some detective people on Discord, I guess we're even now, and a smile. So she's thinking back to all their positive interactions and the trust that she thought that they had together, which he completely broke. Yeah, it's yeah, very upsetting. Like, like, she goes from, um, she goes from like bliss. Like you look at that one picture of like her smiling 
um where is it from this morning well actually I reread it earlier today so it's not in here but where she's like she's just happy with him like she's like looking at him and like seeing him in a very different light um seeing him as like a human and this breaks that like you can hear like the glass shatter it's like we're like she's questioning everything now like he killed for her he actually started believing that like he actually felt bad about these things that he actually had a soul and all of a sudden she now that's gone like she no longer believes that at all it's completely just crashed The last flashback that she has shows yet another reason why she's so aggrieved. Name of convict Harry Anslow, number of convict, which is her plan to visit Anslow to get more answers as to what was in that picture. So this adds another layer. It's a personal loss for her because she now won't be able to question him and get answers to the mystery of her parents' death. Well, she didn't know it was a mystery. She thought it was, you know, normal, but... The setup of these panels is what's really cool. Um, they're not, they're like disjointed. They're, they're fuzzy. Um, they're slanted. They're like stacked on top of each other. Like they're not, they're not clean cut. It's like almost like her, you can actually feel her anxiety in the way that the comic is actually like designed. They're just rushing in. She's not really thinking about them. It's just overwhelming her. And she goes, <laughs> and that's the end of that scene with Lauren and now we switch settings to the palace we hear rumbling and we see um Duncan coming to the podium that is on the balcony and the crowd is outside everyone is gathered and they're making a lot of noise and being upset and Duncan goes people of our Hollis, thank you for gathering here today his Majesty, the King Philip, wishes to share some words on this dark day. And the door opens, and King Philip and Queen Elizabeth, and that boy's name is Anthony, I think. No, I actually don't know. I don't th- we don't know it at this point, I'm pretty sure, at least. Um, I don't think it's m- mentioned in the comic anywhere, but people ask Ephemeris on Discord, and okay. she gave him a name, like, on the spot. So I think it's something with an A. Arthur. It's Arthur. So, <laughs> yeah. And... King Philip steps up to the plate. He's looking extremely stern. And we hear, you know, it's a lot of um, long lines while he picks up his hand and calls for silence. And indeed, he gets silence. And then he, you know, speaks and he has a very emphatic expression on his face, serious. He says, last night, the Tower of Arthalus was the scene of a terrible tragedy orchestrated by the Phantom Scythe. Dozens of guards and several convicts were brutally murdered by one of their assassins. And we see the corpses. And some of whom probably paid $15 to uh, get their face drawn in to the cameo. (laughs) The man behind these crimes is none other than, and he clenches his fist, so clearly he's angry, the purple hyacinth. And everyone's faces are shocked. Not that they should be, because he's kind of known to be capable. And once again, the noble emblem of our ancient family, the Avistar's hyacinths, graceful flowers, and you see it sunk in a pool of blood, but poisonous for anyone who tries to bruise them has been tainted by the blood of his victims. So this is an interesting detail that we have within the story, you know, because we always look up the flower meanings um, of the various flowers that appear on Google, but this is specifically pointed out in um, the story. So I have my theory about what it means, but I'd like to hear yours. Do you want to go first, Saucy? Well, the point that stood out to me in this scene was that 
uh, it seems like he cares more about the family symbol and how it's being used in this situation than the actual people in front of him or the people that have been killed in the tower. It's like the, the, of all the things he's ticked off about, uh, the, the greatest offense to him is the use of his flower. I would definitely agree. He doesn't really seem all that banged up about it um, other than his affront. But so I don't, I'm not a tinfoiler in all of my fandoms. I'm not, I'm not into guessing, you know, like this person is the secret son of something or like, you know, this, this missing character is hundred percent this person. Like I like to have like facts um, before I make anything. I like to be right, damn it. <laughs> so I'm not going to make anything if I'm not right. Um, but when it comes to the flower, I like the meaning of, um at least so I think it's a good symbol for royalty in general because it's like anyone who tries to hurt us like you, you like you will be taken down from that like you you try to crush us we'll crush you kind of situation um so I think that's kind of what that you know that might mean for the king um what that means for Kieran I, I know there's like a lot of theories out there as to like who he actually is or what his connection is to the royal family or to anyone else um but I think it works for him too, uh, because he's definitely a tough, a tough little flower. Um, I think he hundred percent gives back what is given to him. Um, so I think it's, it's just a really amazing symbolic flower for, for all around. What is your theory though? Now I'm yeah, you, you said, you said exactly the theory, okay. both of them. So, so that's great. Um, I just will say, I know for me, like when I think of a royal symbol, I don't think of it as representing just the family. I think of it as representing the whole country. So <laughs> when he says, oh, well, her, you know, basically it'll hurt anyone who hurts us. I think especially given what he says next is like, he's trying, he's trying to communicate that, you know, whoever tries to hurt our country is going to be, um, be hurt. But um, again, I, I said on this podcast before, like I had a positive bias towards monarchy because my husband's very pro-monarchy. Um, although I've realized in the context of the story that the monarchy is set up to be the bad guy, I happen to think that King Philip is a, more like a puppet in the hands of Queen Elizabeth. So I have no grudges against Philip personally, because as far as I can tell so far in the story, he's portrayed as being relatively neutral, kind of trying to do the right thing and really controlled by um, Queen Elizabeth and guided by Dachan. So I don't have any negative thoughts about Philip, <laughs> except for maybe that he should maybe grow. Are there away. any ideas about the fact that the other royal symbol is the deer or the stag? I think we discussed it when we when the symbol first came along. Um, and I don't remember what we said, so I'm gonna do a Google search. Do you have any theories, Saucy? Yeah, I was <laughs> just curious when I saw the juxtaposition of the two flowers and the stag on the royal uh, crest. Maybe that they're both things that are docile, but are can also be lethal. A flower. Is <laughs> When you crush it, it's gonna hurt you. And uh, deer looks all pretty and prancy, and then it spears you right in the gut. <laughs> oh, there's that. A white stag can symbolize purity, symbolize purity, innocence. I'm, I think I think it is a white stag, but it's a lot of things that symbolizes that don't necessarily. I don't see a connection to the story as of now, at least. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. You were mentioning theory, so I actually um, I have this whole long theory based on the on the book that is mentioned in 38 
um the man who laughs <laughs> which, oh when she's pulling out kieran's books in his in his apartment yeah i'm actually okay. recording that podcast right after this one so i'm going to talk about the theory there and of okay. course i have like a longer video where i'm talking about that but you have to listen <laughs> yeah so a theory it does connect here into the royalty um and possibly okay. that little boy arthur but anywho so we'll just say that no need to repeat what's going to be said in about an hour <laughs> so to continue, he says, he says, leader is sending us a message, but we shall not let ourselves be intimidated. We will not show fear in front of these criminals. Measures will be taken to stop this individual from terrorizing our Hollis. Police presence will be reinforced at night, spreading out his arms. However, you are advised to stay in your homes after dark and to always travel in pairs. If you ever catch sight of the purple hyacinth, do not try to approach him. Get away and call the police immediately. Hmm. And uh, yes, what did Lauren not do? <laughs> <laughs> we transfer back to Kim and Will. She's like, Kim's like, oh, I can already smell the night shifts, bruh. <laughs> Which I love. I love. So it's not even like, it's not fourth wall breaking exactly, but it's just like, it's relatable. Like all of us are just like, you know, in our day jobs, I'm sure like if we tell someone about something serious, pe people on the outside would be like, oh my God, you know, like that's horrible. Like think about all the repercussions. And really, you're just like, I'm just seeing overtime and like underpaid, like stress. <laughs> and that's what we see from like their little vignette. Yep. It was a weird little PSA, if you ask me. I mean, Kings? Well, yeah. I mean, everybody's been looking for the purple hyacinth in every nook and cranny of the city forever. But, you know, if you happen to see him walking down the street, back slowly away. I mean, like, okay, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. It's so just. When I, was, when I was rereading, because I remember we, we talked, um, Saucy and I had talked about this really quick last week. Um, but I, I had yet to finish rereading all of it again. And I just remember seeing the King talking to uh, his wife and, and to Dokken about, she mentions how like he got rid of the death penalty. Um, mm. So like when he talks about like raising a bounty and like a life sentence in jail, like when I was first reading this, I'm like, wow, that's like really not that strict. Like, it's not very scary. Like I threatened to put you in jail. Like, of course, like um, something more drastic seems more appropriate for someone who is of the purple hyacinths, you know, notoriety. Um, but I had a point to this and it has now completely gone from my head. What was <laughs> <laughs> my brain is already. Oh, how his, it was a weird PSA. It'll come to me, keep going. It's, it'll pop back in my brain. What did pan in all this fog too? The like, fog was really symbolic. From the beginning, there it's been pretty foggy. So just like stick a pin in that. We'll come back to it. Mm -hmm. Keep going. I, this, will, this will pop in my head like when we're at the end of the chapter. <laughs> right. So he's a life sentence in jail awaits him and any person suspected of helping him. There's a lot of people on the streets. It's very well. I like the, the setting. And... <laughs> <laughs> of course, when, when he says, and anyone suspected of helping him, we switch to Lauren, who is just looking on the ground because, yeah, you're the one helping him, girl. So, I mean, she's recognizing the, the severe consequences of, of her actions and really wondering, like, was, was, it, was it something, you know, was it worth it? Was it a good decision given what just happened? So I do remember what I was going to say before, but it's kind of, I don't know, mm -hmm. if people are listening to this in order, it's a little bit spoilery. Um, but we learn later something about um, about the leader's inactivity. Actually, we kind of know. We already we've heard about it too from from um, yeah the plot. Yeah, so oh, yeah. 
the leader is not moving as fast and doing as, as you know, as many drastic things as I think a lot of the members want him to. So I thought there was a really interesting parallel bet- between the king de-escalating, you know, life sentence, um, uh, death penalties and like really caring about like the people in general. He's not like his father. He is worrying about the actual people that he's ruling. Um, and it seems like the leader is kind of not acting as viciously anymore, maybe because he doesn't see as much of something to fight against anymore. I'm, cu- I'm I'm really curious about that change and the disgruntled underlings in the Phantom Scythe now, because um, they seem to be linked, the, the, the king's actions and those kind of orders. So that was what I was thinking before. Yeah, okay. okay. I mean, I'm still like mad curious about who the leader is. Um, so far, my theory is that Queen Elizabeth has something to do with it. I don't think she's the leader necessarily, but I think she's kind of behind the leader. My theory is that she had King Edward assassinated so that she could be in control because she knew that King Philip was a pushover. Um, so, but people were yeah, disgruntled under him, correct? Like he wasn't. <laughs> oh my God, so oh, cute. A um, baby Kieran. Oh, who drew that? Yeah, he went through a Snapchat filter. No, I was going to say it looks like a Snapchat anime. Chibi Kieran. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, so I don't, I don't know. I feel like there's something weird going on in both the monarchy side. Like this whole, this whole conversation is weird. Like I don't know. The the PSA seems off, and then the the counter side of the Phantom Scythe leader not really doing, you know, is being as ruthless as people want. I just feel like there's something there, and we don't, we just don't know it yet. To be clear, I, I thought the PSA was kind of cute, so I was, I wasn't like dissing the PSA. <sighs> cute I don't, it just seems Anyways. like it seems what i'm looking for now you look it just for. reminded me of all the mask wearing psas you know I, just, <laughs> I don't know i just was in a mood when i read it but but yeah it definitely feels but, very masky yeah i mean there's all kinds of things up with the monarchy clearly i mean even late more comes up in later episodes too mm-hmm. there's yeah there's so much backstory Okay, well, back on topic. Yeah. Lauren is looking out. <laughs> topic. So now we get a view of, it seems, you know, the, the speech is over. We have a view of the building and the um, APD people walking back. And Kim says, I just can't wrap my mind around the fact that he managed to enter the tower. Did he fly there? It's basically the only way he could have made it to the 15th floor alive. Lucas says, you forgot the fact that he murdered all the guards on his way up. Whew. Yeah, that just, that is a level. It was a massacre, a bloodbath. The prisoners are scared to death, even though the only inmates he killed were Loon's collars. Collars? Convicts? Collars. Collars, yeah. Collared? Is that a, I never. I'm not sure. I, I read that and I was wondering too. I think it's just a term I'm not familiar with. Maybe it's um, used in French, expression used in French, because I know they're from the French speaking, well, Quebec. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then, you know, Lauren's lagging behind while Kim says, is there every person they expose going to meet the same fate? Which Oof. is, of course, you know, this is like all their work of the last couple of months is just down the drain, like literally. So, and Lauren and, is just- And it makes your question the further relationship. If she continues working with him, is every person they put away going to be killed by him? Like, you know, it, it is a serious wake up call for Pushy's who she used to think he was and who he really is in her mind at this moment. She's going back and forth between, well, in the, um, as you mentioned in the 
um, the flashback, those moments were the moments where he was most human to her, his humanity, he's eating an apple, he's in his kitchen, he's, you know, got his little soft shirt on, and he's either having a conversation, and he's just a, you know, a, a guy, but but, you know, so the first one is he's the monster and then he's a human and now he's the monster again. And it's this sort of dichotomy that she's struggling with. Yeah, and she probably feels responsible for their deaths. Like she may not think they're good people, but I don't think she wants their blood on her hands either. And if anyone that they capture is going to be killed, I'm sure that disturbs her. Plus obviously all the guards that were killed along the way. And Harvey's death is fresh right now too. So like she's yeah. dealing with a lot of the death at the moment. And I was kind of fascinated by the weather in this little interlude, like in that, right as you're coming off, you kind of see that bright spot on that building. And I was like, what is that about? Is that like a last ray of sun as the sun's setting? And it seemed to me that the lighting was looking more clear, the shadow sharper and the brights brighter as if the, you know how sometimes when it's getting towards the end of evening and it, the sun's dropping and it kind of goes below the clouds and then suddenly there's a it's lighter get right before it gets dark it just felt like mean, I was just all into the weather in this um and I thought the fog was kind of lifting but then you get uh when he's talking about the shift is over you sure don't want to come with it the fog is quite thick in those couple panels mm-hmm. but then the weather's about to change too right and like the fog obviously like okay the fact that it's gray that shows it's like a serious moment and fog you know indicates confusion lack of clarity which is definitely what Lauren is experiencing. Yeah, that's perfect for this. Mm-hmm. Also, um, so this this next section where where you know they do say you know Lauren you're not coming. She says, "Oh, sorry guys, I'm feeling a little bit sick. I'm probably coming down with something. Uh, is it okay if I go home, Lieutenant?" And she has this like forced smile on her face. Um, and he says, "You know, you know, sure. Uh, you sure you don't want me to come with you?" And this reminds me of, um, and I don't remember the episode, but it was when. Lauren noticed Will in a similar state of unease and she questioned him and he said, you know, like, it's fine, I'll handle it or something along those lines. And then it, it, it went back and it's the same smile, like obviously a fake plastered smile. And then it went back to like when he was like, they were working together, getting, you know, whatever their, their certification or whatever it is for, for police officers, like, it's okay, I'll handle it. And then it was as kids and he's smiling, it's okay, I'll handle it. And it like went back in time. Um, and it seems like this is another connection between two friends who obviously know each other really well. Like she knew he was lying or she knew he never lies. She knew that he was just not telling her the whole truth there when he said, it's fine. I'll handle it. The same thing is happening here where he's, he sees like, she's not okay. Um, cause she says, yes, no need. It's probably nothing serious. And he's still looking like, I know she's not like, something's not right here. So it was a really cute connection for their friendship. So what I see is the difference, though, is that Will actually said the truth. He says, he says I'm fine, which admittedly is not the truth, but it's the truth for him because he, you know, makes everything fine in his head. But the second part, I'll handle it, right? That's acknowledging that, you know, I just want to handle it on my own. I'm not going to talk about it. But Lauren just flat out lies. Like she says, I'm not feeling well. Um, Which is funny, considering. (laughs) It's ironic because she is the truth seer, ostensibly but she clearly is not the truth teller. And that was something that perturbed her as soon as she took the deal. You know, I'm going to have to lie to my friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she also, I think maybe um, a little, I don't know if she, I, I don't think she's a good liar at all. Um, 
I think because in general, she's like a blunt force. I'm surprised, honestly, that she lies. Like, I don't know, my policy in life is always like truth is the best tactic. I just don't get a lot of people who lie, but <laughs> so I just don't think it ever works. Um, so I'm like surprised that she doesn't figure out like a way of saying the truth or like, I don't feel like coming with you now. Like, I don't know, something like that. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, not exactly, you know, I don't feel up to it now. So it's not saying I'm sick, but it's saying the truth, right? So anyway. Yeah, she, she deliberately chose a lie over an equally as effective, because they're still going to be suspicious of her in this moment. They know her well enough to know, like, that's weird. Um, so she could have chosen her words better, and she chose not to. Yeah, but hold the phone. Since that first moment where she looked at the newspaper and realized she's not going to see Anslow and realized that her human partner is a monster, she could have been fighting back nausea this whole time. True. Um, That's a gut punch. I think, yeah, and I think we're going to get to that soon, but you're right. I don't think her mental state isn't just he killed a bunch of people last night. He killed a lot of people that she helped take down it's selfish reasons too, which um, I think we'll talk about like soon as she gets, she's starting to get agitated right now. She's left and she's in, um, she's about to be full on angry Lauren. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and that's what happens. She, you know, she goes away. Oh, sorry, Saucy. Technically she doesn't say, oh, I'm going to go home now. She says, is it okay if I go home, which isn't technically a lie either. But she says she's oh I guess I see your point meaning if she was if she's feeling sick or whatever she she said I'm feeling a little bit sick yeah that's true all of this could be strictly truthful that's true I didn't think of it that way yeah Mm -hmm. Hmm. defender of women she starts walking away and it starts raining you know just to add to the drama because a proper dramatic scene must always have rain in it (laughs) Wait, 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 hold the phone, but it, it's the confusion is gone now because if none of the fog, now we're having the range. So now the emotions are coming in. She's kind of gotten focused and out of her, what do I feel about this? She knows what she feels. She's furious and she's betrayed and she's hurt and she's, here comes, you know, rain is, to me, rain is always that um, emotion just coming down on top of you. And in a weird way, so I don't think of, I don't always think of rain as clarity because sometimes it's over, you know, it's overcast, it's, it's dark, um, but it does have clarifying properties, cleansing. Um, sometimes it's like a baptism. Sometimes it's, you know, washing away other bad things. In this case, it almost seems like it's washing away the confusion. Like it's, it's not mm-hmm. a clarity in a way that like the, the, the water is finally broken. The fog is gone. The humidity is gone. Now it's just like cold, like deliberate rain um and so it's a different kind of mental clarity that turns into a downpour of emotion exactly because you could have a soft fuzzy rain but look you've got a drip and then you've got a couple drips and suddenly she's there's so much water she's splashing in it running so you're like you said it's a downpour yeah and as she's running um saucy mentioned this the other day when we were talking too she literally she goes from her like deliberate about to run it starts to rain she's still in police mode and then she yanks off that mask and it's Mm -hmm. kind of like it's not police lauren anymore this is and this is where i think it goes from total shock the death all all the things that have gone wrong i think at this moment when she takes that mask off that's in my mind that's her moment where it's not just 
it's not it's not everything anymore this is personal like she wanted to talk to harry anslow like she wants she had a plan she had she has her own priorities on top of all the other things and now she's no longer in you know i'm trying to take down the phantom scythe you know with my partner kind of situation she's just pissed she's really angry and i mean i think this is layers of symbolism because you know you've got the rain you've got um her pulling her mask off and then as she crunches into the woods here crack snap crash when we, they first went into the the waterfall that scene they were walking on a path i mean not maybe all the way through but they were kind of they weren't like through the underbrush but here she the is the first time the very first time yeah in the i can't remember what episode but anyways um here here she is just like having to smash and physically burst through this tangle uh, to get to him and i think that's a, a symbolism as well and when she takes the mask off, she is, you know, not only becoming a real person and not a police officer, but she is also, you know, last time she was definitely masking her feelings, you know, with talking to Kim and Will. So now her feelings are clear. She is angry. Masking yeah. her feelings. I love that. Nice. Yeah. So she runs, you know, she starts running. She runs in the forest. And like you said, you know, cracking through everything. And she, you know, obviously there's water streaming down her face, which always is reminiscent of tears. So Lauren doesn't strike me as the crying type. She turns to anger rather than sadness, but pretty sure, you know, those two feelings are like flip sides of the same coin, I think. Yeah, I, always, I angry cry all the time. If I'm, if, if I have one or the other, it, they're going to swap back and forth real, real quick. <laughs> this is really true. Um, anyway, but also irrelevant. So, <laughs> so she, um, approaches the cave and she's just run straight in. She bangs open the bars, which presumably he left unlocked, okay? We and talked about that. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, yeah. there's an interesting parallel here because he broke into the jail as a monster to, um, you know, to, to carry out the site's orders and kill, the, kill those guys. Here she is breaking, you know, I mean, not breaking in, but pushing aside this gate of bars and coming into the cave but oh go ahead continue you see him with the book very yeah <laughs> i i think he left it, open. it seems like he was expecting her um, um that's why i think he um left it unlocked he knew rocking chair yeah um i have to say man. A, a man with a book is very endearing <laughs> i'm sure it's poetry right it's gotta be bad, something something intellectual stories Aesop's fables. <laughs> Webtoons in print form. <laughs> Something super peaceful. Right. And that's that's the the paradox of Kieran, because I honestly think if he hadn't been an assassin, he if he hadn't been whatever happened to him in his youth that made him be what he is, he seems to be intellectual. Um, he probably would still have a sense of humor and you know his teasingness, but I think he's a genuinely really good person and emotional and passionate. And obviously that's the tragedy of someone like him is that his environment made him something that he doesn't want to be and into so, really a, a terrible, someone who commits terrible acts. But this is like the person that probably he would want to be if he didn't have to, you know, be an assassin. I'm saying it's a first edition of the Velveteen Rabbit. You are really into what book this is. We need to figure it out. We need, we need like, to this, this is to me is the coolest 
two or three panels of this whole thing. So here he is, he's in his rocking chair. He's like all like perfectly coiffed with his little ascot and his hair's back and he's reading a book and he's he just got his ankles crossed. <laughs> he could not be more domestic looking if he had like little five-year-olds all around him getting read to, right? <laughs> You're right. Yeah. And you zoom in, wicked look. But before we even get to the wicked look, I think the expression on his face when he's sitting in the rocking chair, I think it's trepidatious. Mm -hmm. I think he is bracing himself for putting on his own mask, which is the next panel. But I think this is more of his genuine self where he is. Mindy, you are so perfect, Mindy. <laughs> so I perfect. love Kieran so much. Breathing and I don't analyze his facial expressions with you guys, which that's our specialty, micro-analyzing micro-expressions as we like to say with Lily's work. But I believe it to be present here because he doesn't want to be this person. And Lauren is the person that he up till now has let most into his life that we know of. And now he has to take the small budding relationship that was just starting to develop with somebody who he liked and someone who treated him like a human being. We don't think he has anyone else in his life so far that we know of. And now he's going to have to break that with her. And he's, you know, that expression first is like kind of building himself up for the storm. And the next panel, that's when he flips on the switch and he's like, okay, I'm putting on my defense mechanism. I'm putting on my, my caricature. I'm a heartless assassin. I don't care about anything. I'm going to be flippant. I'm going to pretend this doesn't matter. And that's why he puts on that, you know, classic Kieran smirk, but I think it's, it's all like that. Devil may care kind of. Indeed, that was beautiful. <laughs> I know. Uh, <laughs> then yeah. the next panel, show that one, put that to the camera. <laughs> She's like a dragon. Who's the monster now? Look at her. She's uh, gone as that monster that she is. You know what I mean? Here she comes. Oof. I mean, yeah, she looks. She looks like a fire. She's got that. Her it's cold. So she's got that. Like her breath is actually coming out of her her mouth. She looks like a monster. A hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, she looks like everything she's afraid that Kieran is, or that is you know enraged that Kieran is now. It's terrifying. We've never seen her look like that. Never. She has she been presented like that. The build up to that to that reveal of her face is epic mm -hmm. too. Because um, they so like the panels zoom in, like the the yep. authors are showing us what to focus on. It's her her foot coming in, like then just her torso with the gun highlighted and her jacket pulled off, and then her boot crunching on the ground and rocks scattering, and then just the back of her. You yep. get Kieran and you get her face. Like, it's like a very slow reveal of like tension and like, what is she actually feeling? You understand from all that context that she's upset. But then when you see her actual face, it's like, okay, I didn't realize she was like even that upset. Like she's pissed. Yeah, it's masterful. And then the background too, um, starting in the forest, it goes the, to black. So we're not in a memory here where I think that's kind of representing the darkness in her right now, her mood as she's tearing oh, wow. in there. Because it starts outside the cave. It's not just the blackness of being in the cave. Mm -hmm. So good. Yeah, and I don't know if you noticed, like he's, his chair seems to be positioned right in front of the bars. It's another reason I thought he was expecting her. He's mm -hmm. not, he's facing directly when she comes in. I think that he situated himself there knowing she was going to come. Because mm -hmm. Kieran understands her personality. Like it or not, the two of them have very, very similar personalities. 
I mean, I think that's spot on. He knows she's coming. He he literally prepared himself. Like, look at him. He looks fine. Like, he went to battle with his sophistication. He was like, I'm going to look like an intellectual badass when she barges in here looking all, all covered in rain and enraged. And he's just going to be cool as a cucumber reading his first edition of Velveteen Rabbit <laughs> canon now. <laughs> also the, um, his comfort, you know, his comfort outfit slash, you know, if you like, if the, maybe the equivalent of putting on sweatpants and eating ice cream, watching your favorite movie, you know, to emotionally gird himself for what's going to happen. All he's missing is those cute little glasses on my icon here. <laughs> right. I'm all about the glasses today. Do you notice the lighting too? So like, there's literally a spotlight positioned behind Kieran. It's like, he was like, I know she's going to be barging through these bars in like five seconds. I'm going to like pivot this spotlight directly behind me. So when she walks in, she's going to look absolutely terrifying. <laughs> Yeah, well, we do we do know he is a trauma king, so <laughs> it's possible. Yeah, I mean, what a perfect setup for the next episode, which is, of course, yeah. epic. Mm-hmm. Well known. The, the whole yeah, this whole thing was was this whole thing was basically foreplay for the next episode. Like she was like teasing us this whole time, being like, yeah, yeah, everyone get really angry, and then, bam. Mm-hmm yes lauren's journey from that moment of shock to the moment of confrontation mm-hmm. and you know how they always say that like your your imaginings are often worse like people will often fret about a confrontation or like they'll play out all these ideas in their head and like your anger is like usually so much worse and then you get there and it's not that bad that's not the case here. That did, that did not play out that way. This was worse than probably what she was going to be expecting. So, You know what's fun, too, is that, I mean, there's a lot of webtoons that kind of cut back and forth to sort of relieve audience tension or whatever, you know, get, get different plot lines in. Huh. In this episode, I mean, yeah, you get the King's speech, but that doesn't really interrupt the timeline or take us to a different... She's there listening to the King's speech freaking out the whole time so it's, it's kind of like this winch where this like i'm just thinking of this big thick wire cable that's the winch is slowly turning and the tension is going you know you don't get a break you don't cut away to see what you know joe schmo's doing down the road it's just it's unrelenting the inc- gradual increase in tension until that final moment and i think that's so powerful i i really like this episode actually there is a reason this is not a romance there is so are you sure about that (laughs) pretty damn damn wash your mouth out with soap right now emily i'm not (laughs) i'm not saying there are not romantic elements but it is a drama this is 100 percent a drama and just the way that my poppy land is not a drama it is a romance with has a lot of drama in it like these are two sides of the coin like mafia romance versus assassin police romance (laughs) like these they're very different and what are you gonna say saucy no nothing go ahead I was gonna say like the the techniques that each authors employ Mm. are mimic what kind what the what their genre is like you they, they if you look at like the characters and like the fandoms honestly they overlap a decent amount probably because we all like dark breed past men and like strong <laughs> women whoever their strength may come out um but we <laughs> but we uh you see the difference there's a reason that the purple hyacinth is tension 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 
tension, 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 fandom dies, comes back to life, keeps being in tension, and then finally we get some kind of resolution a little bit, and then probably tension's going to happen again soon. Um, whereas Minute Populum is like, bounce, 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 like a little bit joke right here. Oh, re- relieved, like audience gets a kiss, and then all of a sudden sirens are blaring. Like it's all over the place because it's not, it's, she you know, it's not made to stress us out. It's made but to be a moment. comment was not an implied criticism of Minute Populum. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> it, and that's not a criticism. I like it's it's made for a different reason like I think that's a good thing Mm -hmm. I think that that should like both authors are doing what they should do for their genre I didn't take it as a critique I took it as just a difference in genre like I don't want I don't want that to be full tension I want purple hyacinth to be full tension um it's just like it's just they're they're done I think in the way they're both supposed to be done yep so much so by the way that I think the fandom is probably equally divided on whether Lauren and Kieran are even going to end up in a romantic relationship. <laughs> Besides for the fact that half of people think Kieran's going to die at the end, cursed um, theories. But, <laughs> you know, I, and even I don't even know if they're going to end up in a romantic relationship. I'm like the biggest romantic ever and super optimistic, but I fully expect the story to um, A, break our hearts and B, I also don't think the authors are that into romance. So. Mm. I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not putting any, no, that's a lie. I'll say I'm not putting any emotional stock into this, but I 100% am. <laughs> but I'm like, I know I'm not going to count on anything because if I start hoping, it, it'll hurt a lot. And it's already hurt a lot. So. Secret to life. One of my very good friends, her her classic line is, the secret to life is low expectations. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm going to expect but. everyone to die so that if someone makes it out, I'm going to be like, oh, that's, that's bad. <laughs> Yeah. So do you guys have closing thoughts on this episode? Well, I, I think I gave mine. I really like it. Yeah. No, I'm I'm good. This was just it was epic. Mm-hmm. And it's leading into even more the the whole thing is leading into more epic. Leading. You know what it reminds me of is when those ramps or whatever, when you're doing evil can evil, you're doing, you're going down this ramp and you're accelerating and accelerating, and then you're like, psh, you shoot off into space. It's just such a acceleration episode into the crisis of the next episode. It's a ramp. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, I love it. I am nervous and scared for the next episode. We all know what's gonna happen. <laughs> But yeah, it's a doozy. And this, yeah, agreed. This is the perfect build up. Well, thank you so much, Emily and Saucy, for coming on. I'm so happy that we got to do a couple highs in the episode together. Yay, and that's great. I do hope you come on again. Mm-hmm. Thank you. This was great. Thank you so much to my current patrons. Susie, Lady Libris, Lily, Jenny, Haley, Maria, Molly, Veronica, Emily, Emily, Joe Rochelle, Saucy Tuggles, Meg, Ann Rose, Priya, Alexa, Misty, Laura, Joanne, Patty, Jen, Emilda, Esther, I'm watching you, Taurus, Poppy, Seed, Marie, Jen, Emily, Jean, Jen, Aaron, Laura, D, and K. Your support is really, really appreciated.